Heavy Cardboard, Episode 27, The Splatter Interview. Coming to you from really damn hot Denver, Colorado, welcome to Heavy Cardboard, where we talk medium and heavy strategy board games, war games, 18xx, and other related topics in the board gaming hobby. We're your hosts, I'm Edward. I'm Tony. First off, how to get a hold of us on the web. HeavyCardboard.com is our website. Twitter, where we are super active, at Heavy Cardboard. We want to hear from you guys. Facebook, Heavy Cardboard. Email, contact at HeavyCardboard.com. And please, as always, take a moment and rate us. And definitely, please, review us on iTunes. It's greatly appreciated. Speaking of which, thanks to the new Coloradoan, Matt McChesney, for the, retu- for the review on iTunes. Mucho appreciated Oh. Appreciado. There you go. Sure. We'll go with that. Let's also remind everybody about our sponsor, Game Surplus. You can find them on the web, www.gamesurplus.com. They have a lot of great import games, big inventory, good folks too. Yeah, if there's something that you guys want or are curious about and don't see, shoot Velma an email. And if she doesn't have it, she'll try and track it down. And if she's able to... She'll get it for you. So, good people. Uh, proud to be associated with them. And, uh, yeah, just tell them that uh, Heavy Cardboard sent, them, sent you. So, uh, let's see. Today's only Monday, but this will be out on Thursday, July 2nd. Yep. So, uh, a little bit early. Happy birthday, United States. Yeah, happy birthday, America. Uh, this is what I spent nine years of my life for in yeah. the Marine Corps. So, uh Everybody, so uh, that we can get three-day weekends? <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's one way. I am looking forward to that. Very much so. We have a game day set up for Friday and Saturday. Don't know which or either or neither of those I'll be at with the kids moving into the new house and everything. Right, so. but hopefully you can make at least some of it. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, take a minute and, and remember what July 4th is for, for those listening here in the States. For those overseas, hey, it's, it's called Saturday. So yeah, we're, we're, we're starting off our second year here with our first episode of year two, if you will, episode 27, starting it off with a bang, eh? Indeed. <laughs> I mean, we got to sit down with the splatter fellas, and man, I can't wait for y'all to be able to hear it. I think it's, it's funny, it's fun, but it's really insightful as well, um, which sure. you guys will hear shortly. So hopefully don't fast forward through the rest of it, because we think the rest of the content's pretty good too. One thing I thought was really cool during the, well, not really during the interview, but we got to just chat with them before and after we started recording, and those are two cool guys that yeah. you just want to hang out and uh, play some games with and talk board gaming. Yeah, it, they they just, they're geeks like we are. I mean, they're... They're way, they're, they're way geeks, but they yeah. are way cool. Yeah, good people. So, um, so before we get to all that awesomeness, uh, I'm sure many of you have known and some of you may not that there's been mad drama in the board gaming world in the last couple of weeks and i figure a tumultuous time yeah i figure i'd recap it for those that haven't been privy and for those that have it'll be brief um so to start off with queen games was trying to publish uh, donald x vaccarino's latest expansion for kingdom builder Mm. the contract was due to expire june 30th the kickstarter was due to end on june 30th um, but if they hadn't published, the, actually physically published the game by June 30th, they were in breach of, you know, the, it wasn't supposed to be printed. 
so they went to Donald X and said, hey, can we have an extension? And Donald X said, um, no, pull the Kickstarter. Mm. So they did. They had to because it's not going to get published. It may get published uh, in 2016 or later. But uh, seriously, kudos for him for standing up uh, to Queen Games and for other publishers because he and other uh, – I'm sorry, for him and other designers – because he and a couple of other designers who had games published through Queen Games had not gotten paid for 2014. Mm. And here we are at the midway point of 2015. Cool. So props to him on that. Then there was the kerfuffle between Eagle Games and Martin Wallace. Gesundheit. <laughs> so Eagle said they were going to publish a, a second edition of Martin Wallace's classic Brass and uh, a, a, a deluxe edition even right and metal Mr. money or something like is that something and mr wallace said um no no you're not because you don't have the rights to do so uh that one's still unsettled as of right now it's a he said she said and and i guess discussions going on behind closed doors and uh hopefully we'll find out the the outcome of that question answer do you think the metal money would have been plain Oh, absolutely! Just, just flat disc, sure. But made of metal. Not from Eagle Games, but if it were, uh, if it were Wallace's idea, probably <laughs> that'd be so funny, right? Uh, so, due to the above kerfuffle between Eagle Games and Martin Wallace, there's kind of been some uh, spillover onto Eagle Games' current Kickstarter of friend of the show Vital Lacerda's latest game, The Gallerist. Hmm. That said, uh, it's going strong, and it looks to probably double its thirty thousand dollar funding goal. Um, so regardless of how any of us or any of you feel about Eagle Games, we're genuinely happy for Vital to get his game published. You bet. And even though the game uh, is is going to be his latest game, uh, it's supposed to physically be about eight pounds. It looks gorgeous. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the everything it. looks cool. Um, I'm looking forward to giving it a try. Lastly, we can't have drama and not mention the latest from Game Salute, right? fact i think this is only the second time i've ever mentioned them on the podcast anyway it seems they had a small card and dice game called nine shooter quick draw that made over 300 percent of its funding goal yet when they shipped the game they didn't provide a box even though in the campaign they said folks were getting a box in which the game will go in Hmm. nothing's going to surprise me at this point when it comes uh to them going forward Save for maybe folks who still want to back their projects. That would be the only surprise left in store. The uh, the ironic thing that I saw on some of the Twitter activity was one guy said he got his game without a box that was shipped to him in a box. So <laughs> maybe that was the box. Yeah, maybe, but uh, not, not according to their Kickstarter yeah. page. But yeah, moving on. One more thing from me, because this was weird when I pulled into my driveway after work today, before heading over here. Okay. You know what was laying in my driveway inside of a plastic bag? Uh, no. a, a phone book. Oh. <laughs> we still have those? I mean, you know, that's that's pretty interesting. I haven't seen a phone book in... I, I, I mean... I was dumbfounded. Like, what is this thing? <laughs> Why is this thing? Put it in a museum somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, we don't... I mean, like, pay phones. You I, don't see them anymore. I gotta tell you, I haven't even thought about a phone book yet alone seen one, in years. I don't even know how long. Right. It just disappeared, right? I just thought that was bizarre. Yeah, that is. 
I am certain that we have both have recently acquired some games. We have. Not too many on my end, however. Uh, the first one was, came all the way across the pond from France, which is an autographed copy of Alban Viard's new game, Small City. Which comes in a big box. Yeah, it's a massive box. It's like shogun size box almost. Yeah, it's big. It, it, it really, it's way bigger. I expected like your typical um, like Feld type sure, size yeah. box a, or Uwe a normal Rosa. bookshelf yeah, game. Right, new. This is this is that on steroids. Um, in fact, that was one of the reasons that Paul Chad said he didn't get a copy. It's because I don't need a box that big, hmm. he said. Um, so anyway, I got my copy. Haven't played it yet, but I'm looking forward to it. And uh, It's a Supposed to be a cool city builder. Cool. So looking forward to that. The only other thing that I've acquired uh, was my Kickstarter copy of Hostage Negotiator. Made mm. it in. It's a solo game from AJ Por... Porifio. I'm butchering this. I apologize, AJ. Porfirio. Okay. Anyway, um, it looked cool. It was super cheap. It was less than 20 bucks, I think. Wow. Um, and it really... It, it's a cool idea. I mean, you're a hostage negotiator. That's kind of a cool theme. I haven't seen that anywhere. So I was like, yeah. So I backed it a number of months ago, and it got here, and everything looks great. The expansion is called Hostage Taker. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Playing the flip side. Uh, So how about for you? Well, actually, you've acquired one more game. 1865 Sardinia. No, I have not. I told you, until it crosses until it the crosses, threshold right. into my house. Well, yesterday I bought us each a copy. So. <laughs> all right, thank you. <laughs> Thanks to my new 18xx addiction. And that is a massive box, dude. I had no idea. I expected it to be a small box. And, dude, that thing, like, long, like almost antiquity size. Wow. It's, it's a right. little bit smaller than Roads and Boats a, Antiquity. Paul but Chad has loaned us his copy for right, the time being. To so. check out and stuff, yeah. Um, also, due to my new 18xx edition, <laughs> addiction, thanks. I, I did a P&P of 1881 Das Berliner Straßenbahnspiel. I, I, real quick, um, anybody who's fluent in German, I, I would like a critique and find out how good that was because that sounded good to me. I'm just curious. I did click my heels when I said it. So. <laughs> uh, let's see. I, I, my, my copy of Raw came in. Thanks, Todd. My, I, my kids, thanks, kids, got me a copy of Viva Java. Which we're going to be speaking about another game of theirs later on in this okay, podcast. Okay, okay. It, it's a coffee-themed game and... God knows you own stock in Starbucks. That's correct. And, uh, <laughs> me and the wife both. So, uh, and With as uh, much as you drink, I hope so. Thanks to Travis, uh, my copy of Great Zimbabwe that I got from him arrived as well. So, very pleased with the new additions. Rock on to yeah. the family. Right. Um, that reminds me, we're going to have to get Great Zimbabwe back to the table soon. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So that covers what we've acquired. How about? Uh, Anything you're hunting or anticipating or on the shopping list? Uh, well, we mentioned our sponsor, Game Surplus, already, so it's time to hit them up and pull the trigger on 1862. Another. Thanks 18XX again XX. to my 18xx addiction. <laughs> I love it. No, that's fantastic. Is there a treatment program? I just wish you would get games that I don't already have so that, you know, we have. But let's face it, with Paul Chad, we we have pretty much most most things covered already. You, sir? Um, Not really actively hunting for anything. Um, The two that I'll I'll mention are the same two from last episode. 18 Arden, after having played it finally, which we'll get into here in a minute, definitely going to want a copy of that. 
Um, and I think also, I share that with you. And also, um, I mentioned there's the Carson City Kickstarter that's going on right now, and the only reason I mentioned that is they have the the third um, part three of the Cole trilogy, right. um, how Spec Connect, uh, and the rules haven't been posted. They said there's they're supposed to be posted any day. So once I see those, if I take a look at it. Um, I want it for the completionist in me because it's it's part three of the of the sure, Cole sure. trilogy. But the fact that it's not Spielworks and and I haven't seen any rules on it yet, I want to see that. So as long as those come out and it looks good, then I'll back that. I'll mm-hmm. back the Carson City for a buck, and then for the the forty five extra euro whatever it is to get that game. Other than that, not really hunting anything. What about playing? Uh, well, a lot together, uh, yeah. you and I, um, we tried out your copy of Raw, which is the first time I got a chance to play that. You're right. going to talk more talk about, about that. Um, we got Viticulture with the Tuscany expansion back to the table. That's right. We, you, came, you guys came over. We drank some wine. Uh, well, your wife and I drank the wine. <laughs> I had coffee. My right? wife and you, yeah, I had right. coffee. <laughs> um, real quick, I had first, I, the, my only previous play of this was two years ago mm-hmm. when Viticulture originally came out. And this is before the Grande Meeple part. Um, oh, right. And the this Grande is, Worker. Right. And this is before Tuscany, obviously. And I'll be honest, I was I was less than a, in, enthused about the game. And so I hadn't played it for since until this last week. Mm-hmm. And I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed yeah. my more recent play of it. And looking forward to playing it again. So uh, props to Jamie Stegmeyer sure. on that one. It's a fun game. Um, 1830, we got another game of it in. Which went much better. It did. It it hummed along now that we knew what we were doing. 18 Ardennes, which mentioned that is just, that is just a fun, fun, cool merger timing game. Really cool. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk more about it yeah. here in a couple episodes when we do the 18XX primer. I even had fun auctioning off all the, the privates early. At the beginning, <laughs> so, yeah. all 15 of them, right? <laughs> it was cool. Uh, and then last night, actually, uh, Polchak came over and we busted out a couple of quick games. Wabash Cannonball, a.k.a. Nice. Chicago Express. Um, really like that. I like Irish Gage more. I should mention that Wabash Cannonball was a, is a winsome game, which similar to Irish Gage, which we, right. we played and love. But looking forward to playing my copy of Chicago Express in the future. And also, we, we played the downfall of Pompeii, which it's always funny to uh, throw people into the volcano. Oh, yeah, That man. never gets old. Love so, it. Yeah, so that's that's it for me. So other than the stuff I mentioned. Yeah, the only Rio? thing that's on my list that's not on your list, and there's a couple of those I didn't play with you guys, was uh, Phil, our friend, heard me talking about in our Uva Rosenberg episode that I'd like to try Farmerama, mm-hmm. and uh, so he tweeted us and was like, "Tony, I got a copy you can borrow." So he brought it over, and I've, I haven't like played a game of it yet, but I tinkered around with it. And um, the little wheel mechanic of moving it around your farm and having to spend water to do that, and uh, it controls where you can play it, plant crops and put your animals and things like that, and uh-huh. what you can harvest from it was really pretty cool. I, I boy, my imagination went crazy with that mechanic. Um, rest of the game, whatever you know, it's not going to, you know, it's not a feature game for heavy cards. Oh, sure, like sure. That. It's it's. But um, I want you to I want you to play it with me just to experience that wheel and because uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to yeah. trying it. All right, Edward, let's open a cold frosty brew here. 
Let's let's talk some brew crafters. Published in 2015, designed by Ben Rossett, published by Dice Hate Me Games. Plays two to five players. Uh, I've only played it twice thus far. I've played it three and four players. How about you? One, two, three, four. Both four player games. I've okay. played it twice. All right. So, in Brew Crafters, it's an action drafting game or worker placement. Mm-hmm. Where players take on the role of running competing microbreweries, trying to be the most prestigious one around. The game is played over the course of three years, with four seasons in each year. Within each season, there are two different phases. In the first phase, players are using their two meeples in the market, acquiring resources, money, and staff, which you'll need to trick out your brewery as you, you know, brew beer. Yeah. Uh, these actions are blocked once someone selects one, a la standard worker placement game. However, in the second phase, you're going to use shift workers, or wor- your shift worker or workers, if you've hired more than one, to work in the actual brewery doing one of a few different things. You're going to be building infrastructure in your brewery mm-hmm. to help yourself out in subsequent turns, do research, i.e. move along a tech tree, Be uh, also... You can claim your own personal recipe that only you can brew. And finally, you can brew beer. You get reputation points or or VPs, mostly from, wait for it, brewing beer. And whomever (laughs) has the most rep at the end of the game wins. It's It's clear that Agricola was a major inspiration for the game, but there is a significant difference aside from the theme. And that's that... Actions in the second phase, i.e. building and brewing, aren't limited to only one player. Mm. So, boy, do you get a lot of stuff for your money in this game. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) There is tons of variety when it comes to the different recipes to brew. And it's a a simple thing or a small thing, but I like the the choices of the names that they gave all, all the recipes. Now, you said... I, I've yet to punch my copy. We've okay. actually only played our buddy Paul Chad's uh, copy right. because he had it before we got our copies. And you punched it for him, and it took you how long? Yeah, like 45 minutes to punch it, bag it, and get it bagged right. Yeah, there is an insane amount of components to this. And wow. I, I'm saying this is a good thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, the component quality in the artwork I thought was great. I dig the attention to detail on the player boards and mm-hmm. such. On the on the player boards, I think it is that there's a couple guys in one of the rooms that's playing compounded, right. which is another dice hate me game, which I thought was was pretty cool. The theme comes through and really adds to the game. It's really really well done. It's integrated really well. Some things are are abstracted out. The actual brewing process is fairly abstracted. Um, basically, it's recipe filling. Uh, right. Like in, in Yedo or, or Lords of Waterdeep, that type of recipe filling. Um, but the theme really does come through. It's really simple mechanically, uh, but will really burn some brain power trying to devise the most efficient way to get your resources, as well as to convert them into the various brews. And you have to do that. You're, you're, you're strapped for cash a little bit. And so part of the game is... How to avoid loans early on, or at least minimize the number of them that you take. Because in this game, loans aren't paid back. They just cost you at the end in VPs. Exactly. 
Having to brew uh, basic beers before moving on to the more exotic ones makes sense, both uh, thematically and mechanically. Right. Um, thematically, I mean, you're not going to brew, you know, a, a, a coffee-infused, you know, right. stout or whatnot. you got to walk first. Exactly. And so that made a lot of sense. And mechanically, it just... Yeah. It's a good way to kind of ease people into it to where they uh, they can't just race for the big ticket items there at the beginning. Right. Kind of on that note, players can get extra shift workers that I mentioned earlier, but you can't get them right away. You're forced to brew certain quantities of beer before you're able to acquire more help. This keeps the game from being all about getting more workers right away. Mm-hmm. As is the normal, you know, right thing to do in a lot of worker placement games. So I thought that was a really cool yeah. way of preventing a rush to get more workers immediately. Those other shifts are progressively more expensive than the earlier shifts, too. So as your capabilities in, uh, increase, your upkeep increases, but not at an even pace. It ramps up. Right. And at the end of every, and I didn't mention this, but at the end of each of the three years is when you're going to pay for your facilities as mm-hmm. well as the workers that you have. So that's kind of that, uh, you know, heat heat and feed from yeah. Agricola type, type thing. There's some flexibility built into the game too. The tech tree you mentioned for the research, it's a double-sided. There's an advanced side and a basic side. And then the basic boards that have the action spaces in there, there are some blank spaces and some extra tiles where you can add other actions to the game if you desire to. Right. So there's there's tons of replayability and variability within the game itself. You bet. About the only thing that sends me a little bit on the game, it, it can go a little long with the higher player counts. Yeah, I noticed that it, it does tend to drag a little bit uh, on the back end. It's like... You start to feel the amount of time that's gone by. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if that was unfamiliarity and us being slow or, or just the game or, or both or whatever. but I think that's a, a fair critique at least. Yeah. There's a couple other things that I, I wanted to mention on the, on that side. Uh, the player aids, they're, they're small and they're double-sided. Um, I would have liked to have had a larger player aid with everything on one side. It's a minor quibble, but it's enough to at least mention... Um, if your eyesight's not that great, it might be a little bit, you know, of a struggle. Right. Uh, so you may want to, I think somebody on BGG has printed out a larger single sheet type thing. There, uh, there, someone's made a score sheet too. That's very helpful. Not only in just making score at the end, but helping to educate new players on what the scoring is. So it does take quite a bit of time to set up as well as to tear down <laughs> after yeah. the game. Um, just know that going in and it is a massive table hog i've oh, heard yeah. people say argent the consortium is as well yeah um but it can't be much bigger than this it's just there's so much stuff especially in a four or five player game you need a large table to play this lastly the cardboard punch outs for the shift workers um i wasn't too keen on yeah. that i mean everything else i mean it's thick cardboard don't get me wrong but for your regular workers, you have, you know, wooden meeples, meeples and you have wooden resources and all that stuff. They're cubes, but nonetheless, it's wood. It's hard to see these. They're just little cardboard punch-outs. They didn't include yeah. any little, like, standees. Yeah. Uh, nothing. Um, we use, we, we acquired some standees, and so we use those. 
But you would have thought they could have come up with something a little bit better than that. I mean, put some standees in there and charge me 50 more cents. Right. Um, so, yeah, that, but honestly, those are small quibbles with the game. Uh, we've only played it, I've only played it twice. Right, a couple here. Um, it's not enough for me to rate the game, and sure. it's possible, I'm not saying that we will, but it's possible we do a feature on this in a future episode, so that's why I didn't want to go too, too right, in-depth right. on this. Um, but I gotta say, Amanda and I have both enjoyed our plays of this thus far, um, and I know you have as yeah, well. absolutely. The thing that kind of holds me back a little bit, though, to be honest, long term, is that Agricola exists. Um, that said, we're glad to own both, and I'm mm-hmm. sure Brewcrafters will continue to see table time at our house. And that's Brewcrafters. So, Tony. Yes, sir. Why don't we uh, talk about a game that I know you're a big fan of, yes. the main mechanic, which yes. is auctions. So, and uh, bidding mechanism. So there you go. Let's talk some. Uh, let's talk some raw. Raw. Raw is an old favorite of mine that um, I've recently reacquired and decided that we should give it a little love. After all, the game is number ninety-four on the BGG rankings. It's got a seven forty-eight average, so that's not too shabby. And I gave my physical copy away a few years ago when the iOS version came out, thinking, wow, this is really a good implementation. I'm never going to play the physical one again. Oops! Yeah. And then it went out of print, and uh, so now it's eligible for coverage by Heavy Cardboard. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, crap, I need, I need to get my physical copy back. So I, uh, so I got one. Anyway, it's a 1999 game by Reiner Knizia, the master. It's a two to five player game. takes forty five to sixty minutes, depending on player count. And uh, as Ed mentioned, it's an auction game. It's a bidding set collection game that sometimes offers some push your luck elements. And over the course of three rounds, that they call epics in the game because it's got an Egyptian theme to it, each player will draw a tile from a bag and add it to a display of previously drawn tiles, or they can start a bidding round for the tiles that are already on display. So that's your choice as a player on your turn. The different tiles represent various types of sets that are being collected by the players, all Egyptian themes. So there's eight different kinds of monuments. There's pharaohs, gods, Niles, etc. At the end of each epic, there's going to be some scoring. So the tiles are set up that you can collect them for either short or long-term scoring opportunities. The bidding, though, that's the heart of the game. And it's something that Dr. Knizia excels at giving players is auction stuff. Each player begins the game with three sun tiles. And the sun tiles have a, 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 value. a value of between 2 and 16. And the values are mixed, balanced between the players at the start of the game. They're, they're predetermined or right. even mixed. Depending right? on how many players, this is how it goes. And, uh, and these sun tiles are really the currency in the game. The, the game board itself will be... Uh, loaded with the number one valued sun tile, and that's going to be included in the winnings of the first set of tiles that gets uh, auctioned off. You can bid using one of your sun tiles, or you can pass. And it's a once-around bid, so the person who offered the highest valued sun tile wins the auction for the tiles. You take The winning player will take all of the tiles displayed, and they'll take that one sun tile from the center, replacing it with the sun tile that they've won the auction with. So, if it's the very first auction of the game, and I win by bidding a 10, I am going to 
take the one valued sun tile and into my collection. By the way, I'm going to turn it over because it's only good in the next epic. I'm going to put the 10 in its spot, so that's available in the next auction, and I'm going to collect all the tiles that I want. So now the next auction, not only is it however many tiles, but there's also a 10 sun tile available for the next epic. It's pretty cool. So with three sun tiles, you're only going to get a chance to win three auctions in a given epic. There are a handful of negative tiles, like there's a funeral that'll kill pharaohs, and there's earthquakes that'll kill some monument tiles. So when those come out, they're going to destroy certain things that players have collected, if or collected by the player who that wins the auction for those things. So it kind of lessens the value potentially of the auction of potentially, the current but auction not always. That they're in. Correct. And the timer of the game are raw tiles. There's 30 raw tiles in the game in which, a five-player game. Which is the sun god, and there's a track for him on the yes. top of the board. That's the clock. So when 10 come out, end of epic one. Then the next 10, end of epic two, etc. And you do scoring at, the, at, those, at those times. Well, unless you're me, then you don't score much at all. <laughs> well, in spite of that, I, I think some of the cool things about the game is that it does offer excellent short-term and long-term scoring. Some of the tiles are an investment in what you're going to take, like the monuments. They're only going to score at the end of the game. One of the things that really adds a, a whole layer depth, or a whole uh, extra layer, I should say, is the whole what tile is out there. If it's a high-value tile, like in your example, a 10... The sun tile in right. the auction? Um, so I'm not only winning the actual tiles, but I'm winning that... So that I'm setting myself up with that 10 tile to be able to use that 10 in the next epic. Yeah. And maybe I won this auction with a with a 4. So I just went from a 4 value bid mm -hmm. for this epic to a 10 value bid the next epic. And I dig, I dig that you not only have to take into account the tiles, but also... Next turn. Next right, round. Right. Every time someone pulls a tile out of the bag you must constantly reevaluate what that is worth to you and to the other players given the sun tiles that are still remaining. For example, hmm, can I get that for my seven? I don't know, man. It looks pretty good, and Ed's got an eight. Crap, I'm going to have to use my 12. And it's just, you know, you might end up, quote-unquote, overpaying for something. That's, that's how, how it works. You need to decide when is a good time to overpay. When can I just let this go? Don't worry. I'll let him have it for the eight. I'll get something out of my seven. You know, it, it, just that constant reevaluation. Very dynamic. Incredible. Incredible yep. dynamic. And here's the thing. This is a random game, right? You're drawing a tile out of a bag. The randomness is what makes that magic happen. Yeah, I feel like it's, I mean, I guess I haven't mentioned. This is the first time I ever played Raw was the other day mm. with in right. this game. And uh, I really... I didn't feel like it was an uncomfortable amount of randomness because it makes that dynamic. Right. You couldn't uh, do that without it. Right. If it were in a set order, then it would be, you'd be able to figure it out. Right. But you don't know out of this huge bag of tiles what's coming out. And what you draw in one game in every auction is going to be completely different oh, yeah. than what you're going to do in the next game. And so the values of the various auctions will change every auction 
in every game. Every draw. Every Yeah, it, it's very, very cool. I think this is... I, I now understand why Raw is such a well-regarded auction bidding game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Totally get that. Another cool aspect of the randomness is the Raw tiles that you know monitor the length of the rounds when 10 come out in a five-player game. You don't know when will that 10th tile come out and right, the exact place where that's a big, fun thing and where the push-your-luck comes in is when someone happens to be the only player with sun tiles left in the round. And this is exactly what happened in, I think it was the second epic yeah. in our game. Uh, everyone had used all three of their sun tiles already, so I was the only one left in the auction. So I basically had free auctions. Right. And so I would keep drawing, keep drawing, keep drawing. And there were a couple of uh, negative tiles that came out. And I was like, eh. So I filled up that and I was like, nah, I'll just wipe it instead of using it. Well, where this ended up biting me in the butt was there were only two sun or two raw spots left before the epic ends. And when the epic ends, you don't, there isn't an auction at the end of it. It's It's, over. It's (laughs) over. And so I pushed it too far and I ended up getting greedy and I paid for it. And, but. Yeah, I should, right? I mean, yeah. it was my greed that got hey, me there. You're the poker player. Right. <laughs> That's what everyone said around the table. Right. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, oh well. Um, the only thing I think um, maybe in the negative side of things is with five players, it can feel a little chaotic. Like you have less opportunity to act on those valuations that are constantly changing than with three or four players. There is a little bit of mitigation in that because you never know when two players down the line they're going to draw a raw tile and you'll get to act on your valuation and potentially bid. But it can be a little um, chaotic waiting for the come waiting for it to come back to you so that you can act on the on the auction. I could see that. Um, obviously, this is the only experience I have with the game, but I, I could see less players giving yeah. you somewhat more control because yeah. there's less time in between your turns. Correct. Um, for me, uh, the randomness was fine as far as, you know, the length of the game. Um, if it had been, you know, maybe half an hour longer, it might've been a little uncomfortable and and not as enjoyable, but no, I really dug it and I'd like to play it again. I'm going to rate the game a five. I've played it a bunch over the years and uh, it always, it's a good lighter auction game to keep my mind thinking. Cool. Yeah, I, obviously I'm not going to rate it with only one sure. play, but look, I'm glad you reacquired it so we can yeah. play it some more. So uh, what do you guys think about Raw out there? Let us know. Uh, do you like it? Do you not like it? Whatever. So hit us Raw. up. Yeah, hit us up in the guild. Right on. So you all have been patient, and we appreciate it. Hopefully you haven't fast-forwarded to get to this point, but you've been patient, so let's uh, let's kick the Splatter interview. You bet. We were very excited to be able to spend about an hour with the Splatter Spell and Brain Trust. And also, we're pretty excited about the response from the Heavy Cardboard Guild and offering questions. Thank you, community. You guys rock. We took a lot of those questions into the interview with us, as you'll see. Some of them got asked, and some of them got answered along the way. Yeah, and, without us having without, to ask. Right, right, right. So without further ado... Here is Heavy Cardboard's interview with Yoris and Yarun. A couple of months ago, I reached out to today's guest to ask about design philosophy behind one of their games that we just finished playing. And while I was at it, I thought, 
Why not try and get them on the show for an interview? Not only did they answer my question, but they enthusiastically agreed to come on and answer more questions. Their design credits read like a grail wish list for many in the hobby. Indeed. Indonesia, antiquity, the great Zimbabwe, bus, roads and boats, as well as a plethora of other titles. They also have the highly anticipated food chain magnate coming later this year. So it's needless to say that we're both excited and honored to welcome to the Heavy Cardboard Podcast, Jeroen Duman and Joris Weersinger, the dynamic designers behind Splatter Spelling. Welcome to the show, fellas. Thanks. That's great. Thanks for the invitation. Oh, or thanks for accepting it. <laughs> Pleasure's on this end. Um, so before we get started, we wanted to mention that we opened up questions to our listeners over on our guild on BGG, and needless to say, we had quite the response. Uh, so we have a mix of our questions as well as selected ones from the folks in the guild. So unless you guys have any questions, let's get rolling. Go ahead. All right. Uh, so first off, tell us a little bit about yourselves, where you're from, what you do for a living, because designing games and running Splatter is only a part-time thing for you both, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, uh, so, uh, Jon, uh, if, if, I, if I start, that's okay. Uh, so, um, Jeroen and I actually know each other because we used to study in the same uh, town and we used even to live in the same house for a while. Uh, which is a student house where you had uh, lots of people living there, and we—that's how we started designing uh, designing games. By now, uh, unfortunately, we live about two hours apart, so uh, not so not so easy anymore. Um, we live in the Netherlands, uh, as, as, uh, in, in 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 Europe, and uh, um, my normal normal uh, life does not consist of making board games, but still of making games because I own a company that makes games for uh, rehabilitation for very, very old people, people who suffer from dementia, people who suffer from stroke. And uh, wow. they make, uh, uh, we let them uh, exercise and do games which are opposite, the exact opposite of the splatter games. They are the simplest games that you have ever <laughs> seen in your life. That's pretty awesome. Because you, you, you founded a company that uh, that's what you do, right? That's what I do. Yeah, this company makes what makes my makes my living. We have uh, twenty twenty three people working in the company. We sell okay. all over the world. Uh, That's it's, awesome. It's a, it's a strange business, but uh, it's it's a very thankful uh, way of using games for uh, for a good purpose. Absolutely. That's really really cool. So how about you, Jeroen? It's also been great to see uh, Joris's company grow over the years. For for myself, I work. Uh, for a, bit, for a bigger company, uh, I do research for a living. My background is in uh, mathematics and physics, uh, and I mostly do uh, cryptography nowadays, or more or less security research. Very cool. Super. All right. So other than the board game hobby, what are your hobbies? What do you do for fun other than design board games? Uh, design board games? <laughs> <laughs> There's not much time for other things, I imagine, <laughs> with, uh, with, the, with the two companies in both of your lives. Yeah. Well, also, also play, play board games, of course, but for myself, I also enjoy reading and a little bit of photography, but that, uh, I don't have much time for that. Sure, sure. 
Um, is there um, is there anything that in, in particular that got you guys interested in playing games? I used to play games uh, when I was very 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 young. I even actually I used to design games when I was uh, very young. So um, even at the age of uh, six or seven, uh, friends would come over to my house on the to play uh, on the express condition that they wouldn't be forced to play test uh, games that I had just. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so I guess that hobby has been uh, with me for a very long time. I don't know what, what got me into it. It's not that my parents like games so much. Sure. And uh, uh, certainly my older sister was always uh, always had to play games with me, uh, hates them with a vengeance. So uh, uh, that's uh, And luckily her, 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 she has children now and I'm teaching the, her children how to love games. So I, I'm, uh, I'm getting back at her once more now. That's, uh... <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get started designing games that young, but I, but I did also play them relatively young already. And both board and card games and also computer games. Awesome. So, uh, Jeroen, um, we think that you're a, a big 18xx fan? Yes. <laughs> How did you guess? <laughs> Huge. <laughs> uh, what what uh, what excites you about 18xx and and Yoris? Are you an 18xx fan as well? Uh, go ahead, Johan. Talk about your love. <laughs> okay. No, I think what what I love most about the game is the the, the split bet between what the what the parties actually are doing in that. The players themselves are investors, and they're investing in these abstract companies. And whoever owns the most shares in the company gets to run it and do however well or however, however bad they want, and then give it to another player if it's doing too bad. <laughs> yes. Foolish. As, as Joris has told me, I think. But yeah, I think I introduced you to the game uh... Yeah. Yes. I, I also really love uh, uh, 18xx oh. uh, games, although perhaps not quite as much as Jeroen does. But uh, yeah. Awesome. We're we're huge fans. All right. So other than 18xx games, what are your some other uh, non-splatter games? What are your? I, I know Jeroen uh, is has very eclectic tastes when it comes to games. <laughs> He's kind of all over the map. Um, but other so but other than 18xx, what are your what do you what do you enjoy playing? For for myself, uh, one of the things that I relatively recently discovered are uh, plethora of all kinds of little Japanese games. Oh yeah, those are getting big. Those those indeed are getting quite big, and and there are really nice ideas in there as well. Not, not all of yeah. them work very well, but mo most of them have neat ideas in there, and and some of them are really great to play. And you, yours? Well, I what I what I normally enjoy most are are somewhat are quite heavy heavy strategy games, preferably with a, a business or a historical um, 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 background or or, or, or topic. Um, mm -hmm. I don't get to play them as much because if I have a lot of time, I normally play test the splatter the splatter games. Sure. Um, and I'm always into play any game once, and there Jeroen is a, a great person to know because when you come into his house, it's always filled with tiles and tiles of uh, piles and piles of uh, new games that you've never heard of that he absolutely has to play uh, at least once. <laughs> so, uh, That's fantastic. Yeah, I've seen that uh, 
Jeroen has a extensive collection on uh, on Board Game Geek, 35, 3,600 games, wow. which I thought I was doing well, but he absolutely dwarfs uh, my collection. You guys would be uh, pretty fun to hang out with. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. Do you, uh, do you have any favorite? Uh, maybe also one, one of the things there, because I've only relatively recently, I say, I think back in 2011, now started logging my place on uh, Board Game Geek. And since then, I also decided that I want to play every game in my collection at least once again. So that's an uh, awesome. ongoing quest. Yeah. Very cool. Is it going well? Yeah, I'm at about 65% now, I think. Wow. Wow. That's pretty impressive. Hey, do you guys have any uh, favorite board game designers? Yeah, it's always hard. It's always hard to say if you. I, I, I still think that 1830 is the nicest game. And by the way, Francis Tressum is also a very, very nice uh, person. Who is we we once made a uh, a uh, 1830 like game, and we showed it to him, and he was so. And we were quite young then, and not uh, hadn't done so much yet, and he was extremely positive and helpful and nice about it. So. Uh, um, I think he would he would deserve that that credit, uh, even though uh, he hasn't made much uh, much of interest lately. Sure, right on. Yes, I, I, I think for me uh, that that would be this, the same name uh, as well, being both well the 1829, 1830, and and Civilization. Oh wow! Right, we it's funny because on a uh, recent uh, episode on our show. Um, we, one of our listeners asked us if we had a Mount Rushmore of game designers, which is, you know, like a big monument, um, mm -hmm. for four or five designers, who would it be? And one of the ones that I put on there also was, was, uh, Francis Tresham. And you'll, you'll maybe be flattered to hear that, uh, I also had you guys on there as well. So, so yeah, this is, this is pretty exciting. Um, and also, maybe also, while we're talking about game designers, because for the past few years I've been invited to Alan Moon's uh, gathering of friends over in the States, and there's a whole big lot of game designers that that come there. One, yeah. one of the more more act, more active ones nowadays is also Tom Lehman, which yeah. is mm -hmm. a great great uh, a great friend great guy to work with and, and talk with and i really adore the games that he makes and the salt he puts into them as well very cool so last last thing before we get into more the designer aspect um since you guys live a couple hours apart now um do you guys have individual regular game groups that you that you normally game with or do you only game when you get together or how does that work i have about Three regular game groups. So there's there's one uh, bigger game group. It's it, it's called the Eindhoven Gamers, where we usually get together tw uh, twice a week. So once is on the Friday evening where we play the longer and often wackier games. Mm. Yes, yesterday we played Time War, uh, an old Yakinto game which none of us had played before, and it's. A big look fest, but it's it, it, it's quite fun to do, and we we all we always have fun, uh, however bad the game is. And then then there's also a group of well former colleagues of mine from from university, and we get together about once a month, and we play a bit more lighter and party uh, games typically. 
and th and then of course there's the whole splutter uh, playtest team uh, where we get together as often as we uh, can almost cool and how about for you yours well i play mostly mostly uh, splutter and then i have uh, some friends uh, some friends around who will come over for uh, for games from time to time uh, but not as regularly as uh, as uh, as uh, Jeroen does. Um, I do have a lot of uh, because we founded uh, Splotter here in. We used to live in Leiden. Jeroen used to live in the same city as I do. We founded a um, a, a a gaming group here, uh, which is the student group. So I'm an honorary member, but I don't go there all that often. But we do sometimes have lots of people over. To come and play uh, uh, playtest the splotter the splotter games, both uh, people who used to be members and people who are uh, who are newer members of that uh, of that group. Okay, very cool. Um, so let's let's roll into uh, the designing aspect and and why do you design games and where do you guys get your inspiration from? Well, well why do you design games? That, that's, that's an interesting question. <laughs> no one has ever asked me why I design games. It's just something to do. Because <laughs> um, you've been doing it your whole life, essentially, right? Yeah, that's, that's, that, that's right. That's right. I just like, uh, I just like the, the thinking about the mechanisms and, and, and making something work. Um, I know how that, that Jeroen and I started working on games together when we were... Um, uh, members of the so we founded this this student gaming group which by now has I think 300 members here in Leiden um, but it was much smaller when we founded it of course and uh, and in that group we came up with uh, lots of games both very very simple and light games and much more uh, much more uh, uh, complicated games and Johan and I were always making the the, the big complicated games and uh, um, I was also involved in making smaller games with uh, with a bunch of other uh, bunch of other people from time to time, and Johan was also uh, became involved with that. But our shared love was always the bigger the bigger bigger ones. Um, All right. And uh, well, uh, and 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 so these games were originally just intended for ourselves. So we we just, for instance, we'd have a a, a gaming evening, and then we were not really but didn't really want to play the same game again and we would just take out little pieces of uh, out of a random game uh, for a long time we had a, a joke of always making games with the duty vista pieces no matter what with that's uh, from Knesia through the desert or something i don't know what the english name is yeah yep um, through and uh, uh, just coming up uh, with uh, a game uh, based on that and making the game. And then after we had thought of the game, no one wrote down the rules. And it was just like, okay, that's great. That's a cool game. <laughs> Let's do something. That's in history now. Yeah. yeah. I completely forgot about it. But, it. but but I think indeed, just just to reiterate, one of the things that Joris said, it's also not, not wanting to play the same, same game again and again. Because I also think... One of the things both of us really love is ex exploring new games, and by now we've seen so many mechanisms and so on that, for a, a lot of the games, especially for the simpler ones, after we've played it once, we've seen mo most of what's what's in there. I mean, it's it 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 sounds a bit over the top because it's not it's not the case for most people, I think, but of 
but often even from just reading the rules, it's like, oh, this mechanism here, that mechanism there, they interlock there. So that that's how the game works. Mm. Or at at least in my mind, sometimes I'm wrong. So does that mean uh, you guys go start with mechanics and then figure out a theme, or is it sometimes the other way? It's it it can be both. Because uh, one one of the big inspirations for what what the games are about are always yeah, yours is holidays. <laughs> I, I think we designed Indonesia after you'd been there again, or? Yeah, actually, the idea for Indonesia came uh, while uh, I was sitting at an airport and we missed our plane. And my then girlfriend, I was extremely annoyed. And then my, my then girlfriend wanted to cheer me up. And she said, you know, why don't we think of a game? And oh man! I, I went. Oh, we could game and make a game about Indonesia. And then when we ca- when I came back, uh, Johan and I thought of uh, lots of. Uh, so what often happens is either Johan or I write write down some ideas or little little uh, directions of 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 mechanisms. So we write down something that's that's new or that's not yet there or that or that's often. Just an idea, and and the strange thing about it is no one understands these type of this type of talking about games, except if you and I, when we talk to each other, we we, we somehow have a a code in which we can explain mechanisms very easily, and 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 uh, and we understand each other quickly, and then uh, uh, we can develop from this uh, from this core something that 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 sounds interesting. Um, Sorry, it sounds it may sound a bit abstract what I'm saying, but uh, so, no, no. Uh, um, um, it, it, it's often it's often something novel, a novel mechanism or something mm-hmm. some some combination of mechanism that mechanisms that sound novel, and in the very beginning it's it's a bit of uh, it's it's one piece of paper and we 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 have written down a lot of. Lot of random words, which is uh, like uh, we we add some of this, we add some of this this game, we add some of uh, we add maybe that mechanism. We have a little drawing sure. on it, and uh, out of that comes something that that sounds or feels promising. Um, so you know, you're saying that you guys talk in this code, you have this ability to to do that. So obviously, there's a lot of great synergy between you guys. Do you? Do you find you have certain roles in that synergy where one person focuses or is better at developing a certain aspect of the game than the other? I don't. I don't think. I don't think it's there in the very beginning. In the very beginning, we have we we just throw around lots of ideas and it goes in many different directions. All right, uh, a lot of brainstorming. A lot of brainstorming and. Uh, uh, and and I think mostly a shared shared idea of what to make, um, uh, um, or 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 interest in where it will go because you don't really know what you're making, but you're you're kind of following where you where you're going. I think later on in the process there exists more of a task. Uh, uh, there there there's more different tasks. So you is extraordinarily good at breaking any type of game and seeing how you can destroy the game when it is there. 
he is. Uh, he can have. You can have this playtest, and Jeroen comes in with a big smirk on his face, and you know, oh, this is going to be a ten-minute playtest because Jeroen is going to prove after ten minutes that he can completely destroy the game by following a certain strategy. And that's I almost awesome. never. I almost never do that. <laughs> that so that's so good. that's the Tony in our group right there. <laughs> um, so on that note, how many designs are you guys carrying around in your in your head at a given time? It's that that's a really hard question to answer, but, uh, at at least for me, because in in my head, often there are a lot of well, let's call them design components. They might sure. they, they they might all be one game. They might all be separate games. Uh-huh. Most, most of them might not even work. So, kind of a, hey, we're thinking about making this game, maybe this idea could go into it, and maybe this one, but maybe not these other ones, that type thing? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, but all of that is mainly, as, as you always explained, during the, well, let's call it the conceptualization phase of, of thinking, what, what is this game going to be about? What type of uh, mechanisms are going to be in there, and b- once we're at the uh, well, almost grunt work of playtesting the same game over and over and po- uh, keeping uh, polishing it and ma- making sure the uh, the stuff a is isn't broken but also is still fun to play, uh, then all, all those go into the background until you start on uh, on the next project. Yeah, we so, have only uh, one 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 design that we work on. For real, for which we have like a, a live, a live playtest copy, and that we play, that we play, and that we we, we keep track of how we change the rules, etc. That's cool. So it's one game that kind of go once you've settled on something, you just take that to the end, and before you start on anything else. Yeah, more or less, yes. Well, okay. mostly yes. It's mostly. it it won't always be successful. I think. Uh, when, when did we do? Uh, uh, well, what what did we call it again? Epic or? Apples. Apples. We we, yes. we discontinued. We discontinued. It was in the it, that then it, then we made Great Zimbabwe instead. Awesome. But huh. uh, so we had we had a game that we we took quite far and then we said okay uh, we don't like it. Uh, we worked on it for a year or so and we just discontinued that game. And I think it happened twice. We did Apples, we did, and we did Bush versus Gore, an, uh, an American election game that we took actually quite far, um, and uh, and uh, and then we threw it out. Interesting, but, uh, really interesting. But, but also the one that turned turned into Dog Dealer, which which was about the ant colonies. Uh, oh, the ant colonies. We also did that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that as well. Yeah. So it happens. So sometimes we have a game and. And at some point, we're all we we notice that whenever we have to get together to play the game, everyone kind of doesn't want to get together, or uh, we come together and we play, and we don't have an idea of where it should go, or we come together and we play. Normally, we play test it a couple of times in a row, and but then if the game's not so great, then you play test it, and then you go, oh, you know, we bought this new game, maybe we should play that, and you go, and then and if 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 there's too much of that, at some point the the game gets dis- discontinued and taken out of the taken so out of the lineup. When you're doing those play tests, I'm I'm thinking they involve um, other people. Do you is there a, is there a strategy to play testing with other folks? 
Well, it, in the beginning, it is a very uh, close-knit group of people that uh, uh, that we've uh, play-tested uh, with uh, really a lot. So it's uh, Jeroen's uh, girlfriend and uh, uh, a guy called uh, Ragnar Krempel. Uh, uh, basically, the four of us who are who are there and who work on the game until it is uh, playable. Because uh, if you have if you have the the initial get the initial playtests, they are not really playtests. They go everywhere. You you play for five minutes and then you go, ah, this doesn't work, and you change everything. You spend a lot of time debating and and throwing around ideas, and uh, that's that's not something most people can will enjoy. And and we also may not enjoy the company of those other people <laughs> while we are doing this, <laughs> coming up with these ideas too much. Because a, a lot of those early places are, aren't even games at all. They may be just mechanisms or even part of mechanisms that we want to see. Well, how, how does this work in practice? We've, we, we've talked about it in, in, in the concept stage, but at some point you have to simply get down and, and see it working. Or, as is often the case, uh, not working. Well, on, on that note, because this is, this is fascinating really to listen is. to. This is... Uh, I'm excited to hear this. Um, so with you guys having taken some games, you know, pretty far along and then just said no for one reason or another, what game was the hardest to finish designing and, and that you guys have actually published? And what about the easiest as well? The easiest is, is, is easy to, to say. I think for me the easiest was Indonesia. Because yes, which is mind blowing to me because that's totally. what you told me in our when we emailed back and forth how it just kind of designed itself how it was so smooth yeah it's such a fantastic game it just it just went by itself and there was not so much uh, there was not so much balancing there was no no never a phase where we really didn't know where to take the game it it kind of it kind of worked from the from uh, from from well, not from the beginning, but very quickly, and certainly after we had added this idea of the mergers. Um, uh, Which thank you it, for that. <laughs> we we love the mergers. So so how long was that process for Indonesia? Would you say? I think a, a oh, bit less country. than a year. Uh, wow. Huh. So okay. So what was the hardest one to take from beginning to end? Or one of. What? Which one do you think, Jan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like there's been more than one. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, it's it's a hard question. May, may, maybe even one of the hardest one was the more or less the, the first design that, uh, that that we really worked worked hard on, which which is ropes and boats, because that took us five five or six years. Uh, and you, you you wouldn't believe the whole tech tree and buildings and stuff that was that was in there at the start uh, because one of the things I think we, we've gotten much much better at during the years of designing games is, is is throwing out components of the game because how we often work is we have this huge sprawling game at some point that is kind of fun to play but is way too long, this way too involved, and then you need to cut at least half of it, and half again, and half again, and 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 then you end up with something playable, uh, and playable by our standards. So then you're still uh, at it for four hours or so. Right. right. Yeah. It um, I'm sure. 
we took a long sure. time to to make uh, to make uh, the to make game like Roads and Boats. But for instance, when we did Ur eighteen thirty, then uh, uh, because because when we played Roads and Boats, it was always really really great great fun. I remember that we would have days where me and my girlfriend had to study, and we would wake up in the morning and first play one one game of Roads and Boats, and then we'd play six games of Roads and Boats in a row with just the two of us uh, doing it. Cool. And we said, oh, it's play testing, and then uh, we'd, uh, we would have lost another day of uh, <laughs> So you guys are just big gaming junkies is, is what you're telling <laughs> us, right? For Roads and Boats, we actually made it. We thought we would never publish it, so we made a wooden version with all oh, little yes. wooden and clay pieces and all all hand painted and handmade, etc., etc. Do you, I assume you guys still have that copy? One of you, right? Uh, yes, I, I I have I still have the copy except for one box of animals because I broke up with that girlfriend later and and she took one box of roads and boats animals with her 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 own collar. So you can no longer play red in that <laughs> in that game. <laughs> Red's my favorite color. <laughs> That's fantastic. I'd love to see pictures of the, of that if you ever get a chance. Yeah, we'll, yeah we'll have a look. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yep. we would definitely love to see pictures. Uh, what do you guys? What is your opinions on the introduction of digital devices into board gaming these days? There's been a couple games that are that are starting to go down this path. You think it's going to be enriching it, or maybe? detract from the mental calculations and interactions? Huh. I always wanted to make a game with which used uh, both uh, computers and board games uh, uh, like 10 years ago, but I never could come up with something that I really liked. I must say, I, I think you can do something really cool with it, um, especially if you use uh, do something in the direction of storytelling and you use media and uh, and 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 games together, but I can't say I've played anything that I really liked. But you might know that better than I do. Yeah, I think I've played more more of them than than you did. But um, mo most of the ones I played was essentially you you'd have the tablet or whatever take on the role of a game master who is performing some. The functions automatically for you, and I I don't think that's the best the best use. But I I also don't know a bet, better way of integrating the two so far. All right, so you're not opposed to it. It's just you haven't figured out a way that you want to use it. No, and I also haven't haven't seen a way that's that, sure. that really works well. I mean, for me, the the best one that I played was was XCOM because that also adds a bit of time pressure uh, to your decisions, and and I think that that part is is done relatively well. But again, that 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 could be done by a game by a game master too. Okay, all right. So let's uh, let's switch gears a little bit and let's focus uh, solely on your upcoming game. Food Chain Magnate. Um, Everybody wants to know more about right, it. Right, so tell us everything, please. <laughs> no. Um, uh, well, what can you, what, what are you, I mean, because it's coming out at Essen. I know you guys are still busy playtesting and so on and so forth, but um, with this coming out essentially, uh, you know, uh, in a few days, uh, the, the podcast I'm saying, and you're only a couple months away, what can you tell our listeners about the game? Um, well, it's a business game, 
uh, it's going to be a, uh, a. So we're working very hard on it uh, today because it is uh, uh, really fun to play, but it's uh, uh, extremely unforgiving at this point in time. So people keep uh, uh, building their business and going bankrupt instead of uh, uh, making any money because it's it's very hard to uh, it's very hard to run your business well. Uh, you make so, that sound like a bad thing. Uh, <laughs> we like well, unforgiveness. That, 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 on, on the one hand, it's, it's mainly a bad thing because the way in which you go bankrupt and get and can get stuck is really not fun. Ah, well, not fun for the person who goes bankrupt. So three quarters of the players love the game, and then one of the players <laughs> is like, ah, there's something should really change in this design still. Um, but uh, uh, so it's a business game. You build a uh, a, a a chain of uh, diners is set in the 50s in a in a in a city you actually have a map of a city um somewhere in the in a us like environment uh, uh and it's all themed uh, as uh, around the 50s so you you are selling hamburgers and coke and beer right. and um, this kind of uh, this kind of stuff chocolate shakes <laughs> that would be a good addition <laughs> yes <laughs> it's an expansion um but uh, does it compare to anything else, either both mechanically or uh, stylistically, and also weight-wise? Where does it fit in in the Splatter catalog? Uh, we always hope that it doesn't compare to something else. But when once it comes out, I'm sure people will see all kinds of parallels. Uh, Back to uh, oh, it's like Catan. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. no um, We're joking. So weight-wise, so, uh, it's a it's a. Um, it has a variable. Uh, it has variable length because it uh, uh, the the game uh, basically ends when uh, uh, when the bank run, runs out of money, but the amount of money that's in the bank is set by the players at the beginning of the game. So, um, uh, uh, so it can can have different lengths, but it is quite uh, involved in terms of its uh, if, of of the strategy and how you need to. Uh, the, the the amount of decisions that you that you have to take um, it's not an easy game at all because as I said if you run your business in the in the wrong way uh, or if uh, and and the wrong way is often you have a, you, that you have a great plan but your competitor has a plan that is just a little bit greater than yours um, you can get into uh, you can get into real trouble um, awesome. yeah it's always hard for me to to think of the of what that means for 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 weight, um, a, a very uh, crucial thing about the the game is that it will that it has both elements where you are really involved on a on a board, so you're doing lots of things on the board where you have to do geographical planning, and the board is always different, and how the way that the city is built, the the way that the roads are, and where people live in the city. Are vital for determining your strategy, what kind of restaurants you should build, how many you should build, where you should place them. Um, but at the same time, you are busy building up your company, and the company is is uh, is simulated through uh, a whole set of cards. So you have people working in your company, and those are those are cards, and you can train your people. Uh, so you can change. Uh, uh, you can train a person, and you, 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 uh, um, each person that you have can be trained to certain other people, 
and uh, each each function that you have brings with it salary and all kinds of things that you have to 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 take care of. Um, and these these people also have to fit into a management structure. So you cannot just hire people because if you have too many people, the managers cannot handle it. And so you're building with cards uh, a set of uh, functions every every turn, and these this determines what you can do. So if you have you can have a guy who can flip burgers or make pizzas, but he, he doesn't work so much. Or you can have a guy who specialized in making uh, making burgers, and he, he does much more. Or you can have a great guy who can make even more burgers. Um, uh, but uh, this means that you have a kind of long-term planning on which cards that you have, and a, and a shorter-term planning on which which cards you can use at which point in time, and how to, how to figure that together. Um, I can't large... tell you how excited I'm getting. That's so <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Uh, 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 um, and the, the so large part of the of the decision that you make, and that that's why this variable length is also very important, is uh, if you're going to focus on building your company for flexibility, so that you have a lot of different things that you can do at at every point in time, or if you're going for a very focused strategy, which which can be a marketing strategy or pricing strategy or a production strategy. Or, or even a strategy where you have are are the only person who has access to certain ingredients, um, uh, uh, and depending on how how long the game will last and how the game will play, these these different strategies uh, uh, will win at or or will be ahead at different points in in time. So if the game lasts a very long time, then it's great to be very flexible. But if the game lasts lasts a very short period of time, then having the right type of focus strategy is important. Wow. And what this is sounds the, fantastic. And what is best depends on the on the map, and it depends on what other players are going to come up with. So that's uh, the only luck is uh, uh, the order in which you get to choose where you want to start. Sounds uh, sounds wonderful. Sounds heavy. Uh, we can't wait. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, was there any particular inspiration for the game, the FCM Fujay Magnate? And, and the name as well, I guess. Well, we had a lot of <laughs> a lot of ideas around the name. We 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 thought we might call it Gluttony Incorporated, but then we. Thought... <laughs> <laughs> but that would set the wrong expectations. You always didn't want to design five other games in the same series. <laughs> it, it was originally uh, we really wanted to make some make a game about marketing so we we started with all kinds of marketing uh, marketing ideas okay so that was a big area and we wanted to make a game which had um, uh, which which would use a mechanism which was a variant on or, or a completely different way of looking at something like deck building and so uh, we didn't want to make a deck building game but we wanted to make something with a deck where you had to place these cards and you would you would have certain cards that you're at, at uh, available, um, but then, but then in a completely different way. So that's how we, how we came up with this idea of placing your, placing the the people in your company, and being able to train people in your company, which basically means you you have to hand in a card and get another card in in a, a, a back for that. And so there's an order in which you can uh, 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 train people and get them better. And in this way. Uh, yeah, we we can we can mix this this idea of having a deck and having having and using a, a set a subset of cards uh, out of that, uh, and and build it into a really heavy game. 
in this, yeah, I, and I think one, one of the things that, at, at least for me, makes it really fun to play and, uh, well, I, I say it myself, but, but a re really nice game is the addition of achievements that we did at some point. Because the, there's really, if, if you look at it at the first time, very overpowered cards, which give you enormous abilities. If, if you are the first or, or one of the first to do a certain thing in the game, you can, you, you can never get all of them. But so, they, so they really focus your strategy and differentiate the players a lot. Very cool. Um, yeah, I, I'm sure people are jumping out of their skin, anxious to uh, anxious to get a copy of it uh, when it comes out. So, officially, when will the game be available, and how will people go about ordering it? That for those of us that can't make it to Essen. Uh, that's of course a big shame if you can't make it to Essen for all kinds mm -hmm. of reasons. But uh, uh, next year, <laughs> hoping next year. <laughs> Uh, we will. It will come out uh, the day of Essen, so we will uh, we will uh, be presenting it in Essen. We will be sending it to uh, all of the, the the normal retailers who who carry Splatter. There's actually quite a quite a number of them, uh, but normally it it does sell out uh, within uh, within uh, half a year or so after after we 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 publish the game. Um, also, you can buy it from our website. Uh, it will be up, I think. In September, we will uh, August or September that we will have the the drawings of the the box. Uh, it will be uh, on the website, and you can order it from there, and we can we will ship it direct. Awesome. All right, uh, let's talk about uh, game publishing. And uh, yeah, because I hear you guys have some sort of publishing company or something <laughs> or other. <laughs> we, we understand where uh, Spellin comes a hobby. from. In the name. Just a hobby. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic one. Um, so we, we understand uh, Spellin, but what about Splotter? Where did the word Splotter come from in your name? Um, the, 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 the way that we came up with this name is we had to, the, the very first time we, 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 we wanted, we, were, we started making games, we actually started publishing some of these games that I talked about, which were the very simple games. We made mm -hmm. them in video boxes, mm -hmm. yep. and uh, the reason we we started is that uh, we we found out we we were with a group of people uh, 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 Cornet who make who still uh, runs uh, Quali Games, uh, which uh, and uh, a guy called Theo Jansma who who, who uh, started uh, a company Pseudon, but that, that no longer exists. We were a couple of Dutch guys, and uh, we said we were together in a in a in a in the Dutch gaming society, uh, and we were uh, we wanted to to publish uh, games, or we were want, and uh, then actually my uh, my girlfriend found out that there was uh, 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 my girlfriend Tamara found out that there was a you could go to you could hire a stand at Essen and it was not so expensive because the stands in Essen if you hire a small stand. Uh, they make it relatively inexpensive uh, uh, for so that uh, young publishers can can hire a stand there. If you have a big stand, it's much more expensive. So that's a great great thing. Um, and so we hired this stand at the very very last moment uh, with the three of us. And then we went, oh dear, we still have to have games to sell at this place because <laughs> we had some ideas and we had some, but we have had never made multiple copies. 
So we were really in a rush, and uh, uh, then we started making these games. And uh, a, a friend of mine who was involved with the company for years at the beginning, uh, one of the partners, he he, is, he went out a couple of he, he stopped a couple of years ago. Hermel, Haverford, mm -hmm. he um, did all the graphic design at that point in time. And so we were sitting there at, um, at somewhere in late in the evening, and we went, okay, now he says uh, we need a name for the company as well, because it has to be on the box. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's a problem. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, uh, Tamara had drawn a very nice little otter, which uh, which held this uh, this uh, die, uh, because uh, Tamara and I are both both biologists by training, and so uh, she thought it would be great to have this otter holding a die. And so we okay. said, let's call it Alter Games. But yeah, Alter Games, Alter Games, it sounds like other games or something. It's, or alter, it didn't sound great. So, so then someone said, you know, we call it Spell Alter because the spell is, is game in, in, in Dutch. So we call it Spell Alter Games. And we had Spell Alter, Spell Alter, Spell Alter. Oh, maybe Splotter. Okay. And, uh, that's <laughs> that's and awesome. Because oh, we were, were going to ask... We were gonna ask, like, is he the splatter otter? But no, that that makes total sense. That's fantastic. And, uh, and so, we're very um, duck because you can actually uh, exp you can actually pronounce this name in in many countries, and it, it it happens that there's nothing else called splatter, so that's also also nice. I mean, uh, it works as a name. All right. So I know you guys. You went to Essen uh, in '99, and uh, you had no games to sell. Uh, that was that was pretty interesting to read. Um, but can you tell our listeners briefly um, about what uh, I, I'm going to butcher this, I think, but uh, Enskadade, uh, the city there, they ordered a couple copies of one of your games. How did that come to be? <laughs> well, that, that, that actually went about slightly differently. Because I, and, and I, I think it was through uh, Dutch Game Authors Association that we, that we, we got a link through the, to the town of Enschede. And they, they had a strange idea. They, they had a budget. They, they needed to make some um, promotion for what's, what was called uh, state life, so in, in, a new type of uh, policies. And in, 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 instead of doing what what all the other towns were doing and just printing flyers and giving that to people, they thought, hey, but but why don't why don't we make make a game and give that to everybody because that that will be much much better remembered uh, and people will actually remember something of this new policy. At least that 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 was the idea. And I don't know how well that part worked out, but and <laughs> then they thought, you guys... well, how. How do we actually go about in making a game? So let, let's see if we can find some game designers to to do this. And that's they they came to one of our colleagues in that association who didn't have any time to do that. So he talked to me, me and Joris and said, "Hey, I've got this guy from the town of Enschede who who wants a, a little game about grote uh, stedenbeleid." Maybe there's something for uh, for you guys to do. And that in the very beginning, they wanted the game just to give it to all of the people who worked at the city city council. So it was a very small job. So we designed the game for them, and we showed them the game, and they really loved it. Uh, it's a very it's a card game called Spill. 
uh, or now yeah. it's called Spul, which is game in the dialect of Enschede. And they really loved it. And they said, you know, we really love this game. Uh, it's not so expensive, although making a card game for 200 uh, people is uh, quite expensive. Uh, 200 copies of a card game is quite expensive in our eyes, but they, they thought it was quite uh, cheap. So how about we make 50,000 copies of this game and give it to every single person in the city? Uh, could wow. we get a 10% discount in that case? Which is, I mean, it, you, it is much cheaper to make 50,000 games per, per, per copy than, than, than to make. Uh, to make uh, so we just looked at them and said, yes, of course, you can get a 10% discount. Maybe yeah, I reckon you would. <laughs> And so this was a very big, uh, uh, very big uh, order at the time, and uh, 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 we used a large uh, amount of the proceeds uh, of that to uh, uh, then uh, publish our first. Before that, the only games we published, we made them all by hand. So we printed them and we placed stickers, and we um, uh, and we, we 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 had all handmade games, and uh, because we made a little bit of money out of this uh, this promotional game spill, we had the ability to publish some of the other games, and then we decided to make uh, to publish Roads and Boats, which was uh, uh, the first really big game that we uh, that we that we made, which was an enormous investment at the time uh, because we did not have so much uh, so much money, but uh, we thought uh, maybe we would uh, we would sell it, and uh, that worked out okay. Yeah, not too bad. Amazing. In terms of game publishing, do you guys have any um, particular outlook or opinion on, on crowdfunding like Kickstarter and things like that? I personally um, don't really don't really like it to do it for, for me. I mean I think it's a great mechanism for people who don't who, who need the money to, to start to start uh, to start their business. I think that's really great. But I really hate to promise people things that are not yet there. Um, sure. So, uh, so I prefer to have first the game and then and then sell it. And if people like it, they can buy it. And if they don't, they don't buy it. But I would feel very uh, awkward if I had put some of the games that we have worked on on Kickstarter and we have promised to have a certain game by a certain date. And I look at the game and I go, ah, I don't like this game. And then you can't really throw it away because you have made these commitments uh, uh, already mm -hmm. so that's why I, I don't I don't really like I don't really like to do that and we are in the situation that we are not really um, limited by limited by capital when we want to 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 publish a game we can we, we have made just enough uh, from the older games that from older games that we can publish the game and and take the risk uh, ourselves we don't we don't need to ask money for money from people before we have we have done any work fantastic so on that note kind of um do you splatter is known as a quote-unquote boutique publisher um you know small print runs and with small print runs tend to be higher prices um do you guys have any aspirations of getting publishing partners to get your games more you know to more people or are you just satisfied with the reach your games have? I mean, with the the raving fans that you guys have, I could see that as as a no. We're, we're all set. But which is it? I, I, how, how do you guys feel about that? Do you want to branch out, or are you guys happy where things are with Splatter? 
Well, from time to time, we have discussions with people who want to publish something, and uh, uh, we've never been approached by someone who came up with numbers or, 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 or uh, volumes which were so much higher than what we do ourselves that we would say, hey, that's really interesting, uh, let's go for it. Um, uh, oftentimes, people want to change or streamline or make different graphics uh, uh, and, ma and make the games more mainstream if they want to publish something. And I'm not absolutely opposed to it, but, but I don't really, I'm not that excited by it either. Um, um, so I guess we're overall we're 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 pretty happy about where we are. It could be uh, it could be a little bit bigger, but uh, uh, we don't need it to be bigger either. So gotcha. Um, but for both of us, uh, I, I said it jokingly earlier, but it's 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 more of a hobby to run Splotter for both of us. It it, it doesn't need to pay for our income and. That's that's a great situation to be in because if if a game doesn't work out in a year, we can simply say, well, we, we throw it away, we, we start something else. It's it, it's not all of a sudden uh, we don't have any bread to eat anymore that year. So that with that rationale, it helps keep the quality of the game, the the actual development of the game, as high as it can be. Because if you're not happy with it. You just trash it, right? Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Okay. So, Yorin uh, is, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Yorun is meticulous. I know you are, you are, for the last few years, when it comes to logging your plays on Board Game Geek. And when we were getting ready for the interview, I went back through uh, a couple months of your plays, and I keep seeing unpublished prototype being played along with Food Chain Magnate. Well, Food Chain Magnate has its own entry now on BGG. So is this unpublished prototype something that's coming out later, or is that Food Chain Magnet? Or, no, I guess, a long way to ask it, what's next after Food Chain Magnate? I, I don't know yet. The, the, the logs there are simply, those are simply also for Food Chain Magnate itself. Uh, gotcha. I... I played quite a bit of other prototypes back in April uh, at the gathering of friends. Most, most, most of them not their own. Uh, a, a couple I'm also quite excited about coming out, but some of them uh, have been announced already, others have not been yet. Okay. So, do you guys have any? I realize that you're you're focused on food chain magnet, and as you said earlier, you you hone in on one design usually, and then once that's done then move on to something else. But do you guys have any kind of inkling of an idea of what may be next after FCM? No, not really yet, I think. No, okay. I, I think there's many ideas, but what, what needs to happen is this phase of really getting together and bringing up ideas and fighting each other over what is nice and what's not nice and then coming to a thing, oh, this is really great. Yeah, that's really great. Let's combine this. And then normally once we are we have the game and we, we, we show it in, in Essen, then after that there is a phase where, first of all, we have lots of games from Essen to play. And second, we are a little bit tired of uh, uh, spending uh, every uh, every weekend or every second weekend uh, uh, playing uh, uh, splotter prototypes. 
so there's a this this norm this this new ideas normally come in somewhere December or something uh, uh, November. It used to be that we came up with an idea for the new game while driving back from Essen because we would stay <laughs> at my parents' house, which is about an hour and a half from Essen, and so we would have four days or five days of driving back to my parents' house. But these days uh, we stay in a hotel in Essen, so that's no longer that's no longer the case. And then we play games rather than talk about new designs. I, I, I would think you guys deserve it after the amount of time and effort going into each one of these. Yeah, that makes sense. Can you guys uh, share with us and the listeners, is there any current goals on reprinting games? Yeah, the philosophy of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, philosophy, that's a big word. <laughs> uh, basically, we normally only reprint in the year where we are not publishing a new game. Ah, um, so we just because it's a lot of work also to reprint, uh, we we normally don't do a reprint and a new game in the in the in the in the same year. Um, and uh, we need to have some kind of uh, conviction that a certain game is going to do uh, really well because it's uh, and and this is perhaps an area where where something like a Kickstarter could work, but still I don't like it all that much. So uh, and this is a real uh, this is a really difficult decision, funnily enough. So we have been burnt in the past. We had once we, we when we published the game Bus, everyone was really excited. We 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 sold out in I think a couple of weeks, uh, and we we republished, and then we sold. We we took four years to sell the copies that we republished. Mm. Um, so we're always quite careful, and we're looking for a really big demand uh, from uh, from people for uh, for a republished uh, game. Having said that, I think that uh, we, we we republished Antiquity and and wrote some boats in the in the in the past uh, couple of years, and that that was quite successful. So uh, mm -hmm. we might very well uh, republish uh, Indonesia and possibly Zimbabwe in uh, in in the coming years, because I'm sure that. Or I'm not sure, but I don't think, unless we are very lucky, that there will be another new release in 2016, unless we come up with a game that designs itself. But uh, that. I.e. Indonesia, right? Indonesia <laughs> too. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I'll be honest. Now, I'm pretty active on Board Game Geek, and obviously, the the amount of people that are on Board Game Geek is a small portion of, you know, game players out there. But the demand uh, for Indonesia and Great Zimbabwe has just, people are just chomping at the bit for both of them. I mean, I'm grateful that I have the majority of your main, you know, big time games. Uh, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the older games, not so much, but I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. I appreciate that I have them, but I know there is a, a huge desire for those reprints. Just personally speaking, I don't own a copy of Indonesia and it's like, one of my top favorite games of all time. And I just got a copy of Great Zimbabwe, so please reprint Indonesia <laughs> so that I could get a copy. <laughs> all right, so that that kind of uh, wraps up the serious part. We have a couple just little real quick. Two more. A couple more uh, fun questions here for you. Um, first off, do you listen to podcasts, gaming or otherwise? And if so, um, I, I hope you've heard of us before. We wrote you. <laughs> lie, just lie. <laughs> well, yes, we've. But of course, and certainly, 
before uh, look before doing the before doing the interview we, we watch wh- whoever wants to interview us but yes we'd heard of you before um but i don't watch that many pod, uh, gaming podcasts Jeroen might uh, the only podcast that i listen to uh, very consistently is one about uh, uh single malt whiskies which i happen to like a lot mm. but uh, that's uh, i think the only podcast uh, that i that I never miss a a, cop, a a series of, and I used to watch always uh, Star Starcraft uh, podcast by Day Nine when he was still doing that, but he uh, kind of disappeared. The Starcraft is a game that I really really enjoy as well. All right, what about your uh, you Jeroen? Yeah, I, I I had heard of you before uh, you, you contacted us, but I I don't really listen to any podcasts. Uh, I I like I like reading about games or, or, or other interests much more than listening to them. All right. Last question, guys. Uh, favorite Dutch food? <laughs> Stroopwafels. Say that one more time slowly. <laughs> Stroopwafels. What is that? It's a, it's, a, it's, it's a type of cookie uh, with uh, uh, caramel uh, in between. Yes. Oh, Jason, my friend Jason, just brought me back some of those because he went to Amsterdam. Okay, so so I know what that is. So what you're telling me is these are these are excellent cookies, and if we make it to Essen next year, you will bring some down to Essen. Oh, definitely, we can do that. All right, rock on. All right, yours, your favorite food? My favorite uh, Dutch food, I think, uh, would be uh, maybe a, a very old uh, Dutch cheese. It's a type of cheese that is uh, that is extremely uh, 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 salty, uh, hard cheese like uh, like what you call Gouda, which is actually called Gouda, um, um, but then very hard and salty with a lot of flavor in it. And then you should eat that on rye bread. That's uh, dark rye bread. That's really nice. Yeah, I, I love All right, that. Well. Excellent. Say again. I love that as well. Nice. All right. Rock on. Well, uh, Jeroen and Joris, we can't thank you guys enough for taking the time to talk to us today. We're obviously big fans of yours, and a lot of our listeners are as well. Mm-hmm. We look forward to Food Chain Magnet as well as pretty much everything else you guys design in the future. Um, it's been a lot of fun both playing your games as well as uh, talking today. So good luck in the future, and, and we hope uh, to touch base with you guys again. Thank you. Uh, all, also, all the best with your podcast, and hopefully uh, we see each other in Essen or somewhere else soon. Yeah, Thank that you guys. would be we're, great. Thank you for inviting so, us and having us on the show. We're, we're so very appreciative of your generosity with your time today, guys. Yeah, thanks a lot. So that was fun. That really was. Uh, I hope yeah. everyone enjoyed listening to that. I hope so. I was nervous at the beginning, I'll be honest, because I didn't know what to expect from them. Yeah. Um, but uh, their English was great. And, their English was good. And they were, it was nice to be able to ask a question and for the most part, just get out of the way. Go for it, guys. Because yeah. they're not listening to us. This is the one time that people aren't aren't listening to our episode to hear us. It's They wanted to hear this. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it. And now that this has kind of whet our appetite for interviews, um, if I make it to, if I or we make it to Essen next year, might try and, Take a day and take a train ride up to England and maybe... Uh, Through the channel. Yeah, and maybe try and touch base with Francis Tresham and try and do a face-to-face interview. I'm not saying it's realistic. I'm saying you got to have goals. So there you go. <laughs> 
So rolling on to some other stuff. On our guild on BGG this week, I posted, or I guess as it were, last week for you guys, uh, the state of the podcast one year in. Yep. Um, a big, huge thank you uh, to everybody who took the time to chime in. Uh, just awesome feedback. We, we, we wanted the corrective criticism, and we wanted the, the positives and the negatives, and you guys delivered on that, and nobody was a huge douche canoe about it, so thank you. And not that it... Not that anyone has to wait for an anniversary, but I think this is something we should do every year. Yeah, I think so. Kind of a sanity check. Yeah, exactly. Where are we and are we on the right road? Do you guys like this? Um, So for those listening that aren't aware of this thread that we started in the guild, um, the thread's not getting deleted. It's not getting locked, anything like that. So if you're just now hearing about it, go to our guild on BGG and chime in. We'd love to hear it. on that note, uh, we've decided that we're going to use the YouTube channel as a supplement to the podcast instead of simply cross-posting it. Folks made it clear that the quality of the podcast suffered some uh, due to it, and we hear you guys, and, and our priority is the podcast, and we're not okay with that. This is the this episode won't have video. Right, and so uh, in future episodes, we'll you know maybe we'll do an unboxing or a component breakdown mm-hmm. or whatever, you know. Uh, tickles are fancy and yes eventually i will get around to doing the arc right uh how to play i promise guys uh we're probably going to be doing some cross pollinization cross pollinization uh with other uh folks that was a kerfluffle yeah right (laughs) um that said it's going to be with purpose it's not just oh hey let's try and get our name out there it's not going to be for that uh on our show so we're going to have people that where it makes sense to have people Keeps it fresh. Yeah. Plus, I mean... New voices. Different voices. Exactly. Um, Other than that, thanks again to everybely for taking the time to do that. And uh, and being honest, man. That was... that's We can't fix what we don't know is broken. So thank you to everybody on that. Changing gears. um, If you're looking for something obscure, uh, or maybe, maybe you're hunting... Or thinking about, hey, I don't have a Grail game, or I need another Grail game, or something like that. Maybe take a look at the quote-unquote games only you have played in X month. Geek List on BGG. There's some really cool fact stuff on there, because the dude has a huge collection. Um, So you get to see some really off-the-wall titles that nobody has heard of, really. And you also see a lot of crap that people have played. Uh, but there, on occasion, there are some real gems in there, and I just thought that was interesting and wanted to kind of, kind of highlight that one. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all I got for this episode. Cool. I I've seen that geek list, but I've never really drilled into it because I just assumed that it meant like oh, solitaire or solo games. I'm no, like, here's an example. Interested. The uh, for the month of June, um. I was the only one, other than Paul Chad, to log a play of 18 Arden. So I posted it in there. I said, look, other people, one other person has logged a play of it. However, they were in the same game as me, so I think this qualifies. <laughs> and they were like, yep, it does. And so I thought that was cool. And sometimes it's just somebody logs an expansion or, or whatever. But it's sure. just, it's something, oh, hey, maybe, you know, turns you on to... Get you down a rabbit hole type thing to where this leads to this leads to this, and all of a sudden you have a new game on your on your uh, radar, and 
if that's the case, I apologize, so don't cuss me for <laughs> getting you to spend more money. All right, on our way out, just a quick reminder how to get in touch with us or how to interact with us. Twitter, at Heavy Cardboard. Email us, contact at heavycardboard.com. We love reading emails, and we try and do our best to respond to everyone. Yep. Facebook, Heavy Cardboard, and our website, heavycardboard.com. And the YouTube page isn't going anywhere. It's just not going to be as updated, mm -hmm. and that's Heavy Cardboard Vids. And also our sponsor, Game Surplus. Thanks again, guys. www.gamesurplus.com. Check out their website. A lot of great games, great import games. Good folks. Yeah. yeah, and as always, tell them Heavy Cardboard sent you. Indeed. So we'll catch you guys in a couple weeks. Sounds like Terra Mystica is going to be the one that's on deck. That's uh, that's what we're thinking, yeah. Yeah. With the uh, expansion stuff. Rock on. Yep. Talk to you all in a couple weeks. Out. Later. <laughs>